Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Operation Enduring Freedom Army veteran Justin McLaughlin lives a life of solitude on his boat in Connecticut, working menial jobs and avoiding his past. When his estranged brother, Charlie, goes missing, Justin is forced from isolation and teams up with a private investigator named Frankie to track him down. Together, they discover Charlie's been recruited by some bad people. I'm going to leave it there because there's a lot to talk about in this wonderful film called Northern Shade, and we're joined today by the director, writer, producer, editor, I probably left something out. Christopher Wazinski. Christopher, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Well, it's a really wonderful take on a what may sound like a familiar storyline to some. The, mm. the story of a, a vet who's going through tough times mentally, psychologically, et cetera, et cetera, and who's dealing with that and having to face down some demons. Yeah. But you've done a wonderful job here of developing the characters, making the story credible, and really just giving the audience an opportunity to get to know these people in the film. That's just a wonderful job in that regard. What inspired the film? Oh, well, um, a, a couple of different things, actually. I started writing it in 2018 um, when I started hearing stories of uh, veterans being um more or less enticed to join militias once they, they got back home. And I was really intrigued by that, especially in 2018, 2019, when things were kind of getting a little riled up uh, politically and more uh, extremism was, was talked about in the mainstream media. Mm -hmm. um, and you had uh, a lot of vets um, kind of being... Uh, um, Lord um, on social media. And it was this new thing that hadn't really happened before. Um, so I was really intrigued by that idea. And then in talking with my buddy, Kyle Berg, who is an OEF veteran, we realized there's a lot to that story that we could, we could dive into. In, in terms of your exposure to the military, is, was that your window? Have you ever spent time in the military? Kind of curious. If... No, no, I haven't. I personally haven't. Um, I have family and friends who have. In terms of writing the script, actually, when I had when I had the script written, a first draft of it, Kyle was one of the first people I gave it to. And and we workshopped it really to get the, the nuance of the character down, but also all the lingo, all the language and, and the little things. Well, it feels authentic. The all the as I said, um, all the characters have a time to develop a kind of a sensibility, kind of a, an understanding of where they're coming from, as well as how they interact with the other actors in the film, with the other characters. So I think it bears out that what you're talking about feels like it feels very lived in in that way in that regard. Um, before we get too far into this, I really want to mention some outstanding work on the parts of Jesse Gavin in the role of Justin. I thought yeah. he was just terrific. And he has, mind me saying, he has a face that it is expressive. And it's also, it's a inviting kind of 
countenance that he has to him in his character. Even when he's as down as he could be, whenever he's, or even angry, he has this kind of look to him where I felt I'm rooting for him from the first moment that I see him on screen. So I just want to mention him because he is these the the tentpole, if you will, of this film in terms of everything revolves around him. Um, how did you find him? Where did you find him? Yeah, yeah. So Jesse and I are are actually really good friends. We met when I first moved to Los Angeles um, in 2010. And we had the good fortune of actually being housemates together in what was both of ours uh, very first living arrangement in Los Angeles. We okay. were living in a, uh, I, 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 we call it a hostel style house, not that many rooms, many people. And it was, it was a very good temporary situation for everyone who came through there to get their footing in LA. And I realized pretty quickly that Jesse is, is uh, a really talented actor. And so I cast him in my first short film, Dogs in the Distance. And since then, we've collaborated quite a bit. And even when I was writing Northern Shade, um, I, I wrote it with him in mind. Um, so I, I felt that, you know, he did, like you said, he, he just brings so much to it. That's his own personality. Um, and I really tried to work to his strengths when writing the script. Yeah, he's tough. He's vulnerable. He's he's kind of the silent type for the most part. But when it matters and without giving too much away, he's extremely expressive and and opens himself up. And yeah, uh, yeah right. So it felt and that and he, and and again, it, I'll go back. To, I'll keep going back to some of the things I've been saying about the film, and that is that these characters have ha, give us an opportunity to really kind of get to know them. And I, I just, yeah, I just felt, I felt very much like this was a story that I was interested in, first of all, for the setup of it all, for someone who is struggling again with some mental health issues, but also the familial stuff that you gave enough of a backstory for everyone involved for us to be, intrigued on how it was going to end up um so uh and and again this is as i said earlier I keep repeating i'm sorry i feel like i'm repeating everything again but there are so many issues that i think are still so unresolved that this, the film is about in terms of america at war the people that we send off to war when they come back how much do we really care about them what do we do to make their lives the best we can. And yeah, I think this touches on some of those issues as well. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of um, what I was trying to bring to the script with, with his isolation and loneliness, that's something a lot of veterans feel, but especially during the pandemic, it was just magnified, you know, it was magnified for everyone, but especially people who are dealing with any kind of PTSD where you're, you know, you're forced to be, in situations where you can't interact with anyone or you can't get that physical um, person to person contact that you really need. Um, so when I was writing it, the boat, you know, Justin lives on his boat at a marina and the marina we filmed at in Connecticut, in uh, Fairhaven, Connecticut, on the Quinnipiac River, there's, there's quite a few vets who do live on their boats at that marina. So it was a really it actually allowed Jesse to really uh, talk to a lot of people and, and 
<laughs> really get into character and, and and stay on the boat. The boat became such a metaphor for isolation, but also this sense of the boat, you do have a freedom that you don't have when being on land, but it can be a very isolating freedom. The Another big issue, big story in the film is the, is the idea of disaffected people, in this case, military, who decide to go on a pretty dramatic, and I'll call it radical, um, political slash cultural even um, path that the film addresses. And I think this is important. I think oftentimes this issue is dealt with in a kind of cartoonish way where the evil bad guys are identifiable pretty quickly. And then it becomes kind of a caricature. I think there's more nuance in, in your film. And that's, I think, I'm sure that's what you were going for. There is a nuanced approach to the idea of people radicalizing because of yeah. the disaffection they feel. Is that, yeah. is that fair? Yes. Thank you for saying that. Cause that, that is something I, I was really sensitive to when writing it and, and when casting and the whole approach to it. I did not want an audience to, you know, when, when the, the militia comes on screen to, you know, to yeah. like, there's the bad guys. They have them. Um, yeah. because that's not the case in a lot of scenarios. Like it, it's, it's too broad of a brush that I think a lot of um, people who aren't familiar necessarily with what some ideologies within militia groups are, it's too broad of a brush. You know, I wrote it, I wrote it before January 6th happened. And to me, the most extreme thing that had happened pertaining to a militia group, um, well, there are a couple things with land rights and such, but there was the plot to kidnap the Michigan governor, right? And to me at the time, that was, you know, that was an extreme thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, when I went about writing the script, it was, you know, not to give too much to the plot away, but that could be an extreme end result of, of some kind of mission that, you know, Justin's brother unwittingly gets roped up in. But then after we finished filming in November, 2020, you know, January 6th happened, and then it was like, and then all these stories came out of, you know, the various intelligence agencies knowing that certain militia groups were heading to the Capitol that day. Uh, I think it's important to point out, like a lot of groups that we find on the fringes of, of society, there is a tremendous amount of internal logic yes. to, 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 the, to the message. And it, so I, it's it would be again it would be easy to make this kind of cartoon you know waxed mustache villains out of these people but there is a tremendous amount of truth to the disaffection to the anger the sense of alienation there is yeah. it's yeah it, it and and it's something we need to do better we need to be better but then it's well how are we going to work through this and when you start talking about the ways the means in which they intend to work through their their anger uh, are completely and wildly, from, from my perspective, dangerous and, and destructive. Yeah, yeah. I, I do want to touch on also the feeling of um, abandonment. Yeah. And that, that's something that I really, I kind of latched onto in the script because it, it was a reflection of Justin's character and what, what his brother feels towards Justin, but also yeah. at large what most of the the men in that militia feel towards 
their government yeah. uh, and society in general. Absolutely. I think any time in the era of the volunteer army, right, we had a draft through Vietnam. And then after that, we had a, we've had a volunteer army now for 40 or 50 years. And I think anytime you sign up for something and, and intrinsic in what you're signing up for is you're saying to the government, I'm willing to die for you. That's a pretty high stakes negotiation, right? If somebody is yeah. knowing that they could end up in a situation where their lives are literally on the line and then to not feel the reciprocating um, accommodations and benefits of that on the other end of it. Is certainly reason for people to be upset. It certainly is. I was willing to die for you, and you've abandoned me. I, that's that's a that would make anyone angry if that's the way they you know if that's what they genuinely feel. So it's especially um, heightened with. Uh, I, I feel that it's especially heightened with OEF veterans um, during freedom, just just with you know what panned out with the Taliban. So with we're talking just so people know what that is. That's for Afghanistan, the, the longest war in American history and the most costly war, and many other things about it that just ended up not not being seeming not worthwhile. Yeah, it, it, it there are a lot of accomplishments made. It's, it, it's you know I'm I can speak what I what I think, but you know I'm not a, a national security advisor. <laughs> but it was just a really really tough withdrawal. There are a lot of things that happened politically from both administrations because um, it, you know, it was on the tails of the the change in the in the administrations that really resulted in, in a lot of veterans feeling, yeah, let down, let down by sure. that for sure. Well, it went through four administrations: George well, yeah, Bush, well, yeah, Barack well, Obama, yeah, yeah. and then obviously. Um, Donald Trump, and then obviously with Joe Biden, and yeah, and the way it ended, in at the end of the day, um, yeah, it was a it was a disaster. It was it's it on many levels. So that's another discussion I would love to have. But we're going to go back to the film because yeah. uh, the film again is called Northern Shade. We're speaking with a director, writer, producer, and editor, and that would be Christopher Rosinski. And the film again, going back to so much of the the strengths of the film. And um, is that the the characters that you have developed in the course of this, and there's many others. So we've mentioned uh, now Charlie's played by Joseph Poliquin, Frankie, who's played by Tatiana Gallagher, and then Alejandro Bravo is he? Oh, he's Noel. And who played Billy? So that's Romano Urzari. He yeah. he was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's really good. He had a Jack Nicholson thing going on. Oh yeah, okay. Cool. I mean, you listen to this cadence, listen uh, to the way he speaks and the way he kind of the way he, his attitude. There was a Jack, I, I was hearing Jack Nicholson all, a, a lot in that. So yeah. it's just me. Maybe not. Maybe. Yeah. I think he yeah, he he brought a lot to the table. We had we had a pretty um, challenging shoot, you know, just because of the budget we had to film. You know, we filmed all of the Connecticut stuff in um, 15 days, not a lot of time, a lot of locations. And were you using, were you, were you using jetpacks during this, uh, during the whole, <laughs> that's a very yes. quick schedule. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It would help that, you know, a lot of the locations 
I had a lot of location help. So uh, I, I joked earlier that I was a location manager, but, but really I, I had a lot of help from people in the local town uh, office and also the, the, the film the Connecticut film office, um, right. Mark, Mark Dixon and Perry Maresca. But I just wanted to say that, you know, we, we really challenge the actors because we, you know, it's an independent film. We, we didn't have the luxury of if we didn't get something to be able to go back the next day and pick it up or, or the next month to go back and pick it up. So it was really strenuous. And one of yeah. the more strenuous things was Billy's scenes because we had a lot of material. Billy, the character, I wrote him to be a talker. And I wrote him to, you know, you don't necessarily know if you're if you're supposed to believe everything this guy is saying and that's part of his mm -hmm. shtick because he had so many lines you know there's there's a lot of pages to get through and uh romano on one of our first days romano was was struggling and then on the second day he just came and came ready to to destroy the role <laughs> it was tough i put the actors through a lot he did a wonderful job as Billy and he, you need him to be strong. You need him to be the guy that people will follow into battle who, who you, you know, and be able to, yeah, direct men to do what he deems to be something that needs to be done. And I also want to let people know that the film has won a number of uh, awards, best narrative feature at Fargo film festival, best drama feature, as well as best actor at the uh, I legacy theater film festival and a number of other festivals that it played at it's done very well a lot of best actor awards best screenplay at the phoenix film festival the legacy yeah. film festival is is cool because it's it was the first year of that festival but what was so important about playing there was that it's in a it's in an old um, puppet house and that puppet house has been there since orson wells films and orson wells had a theater company come through there but they recently remodeled it, and it's okay. pretty important. Where where is it? Do you what does it? Yeah, it's in Stony Creek in Brantford, Connecticut, and it's actually right down the street from the Stony Creek Quarry, which is where we filmed a lot of scenes. Okay. When right. when they first arrive into that quarry and where the burning truck scene. Yes. Happen, yes. That's all in the Stony Creek Quarry. Well, congrats on all the awards and all the recognition for the film. Um, the film is coming out on February 24th. It's being released through Bayview Entertainment. And you can go to bayviewentertainment.com to find out more. Do you have an L.A. theater released? Yeah, yeah. So we're screening at two Lamely theaters on the 24th, uh, 24th through the March 2nd that week. Um, so uh, February 24th, it comes out at the Lamely Monica and the Lamely NoHo. Oh, great. The Lemley Monica, terrific, wonderful film complex, as you're probably very familiar with. Yeah. And then also NoHo. Very good. That's my old yeah. stomping grounds. It's not North Hollywood, that area. Yeah, so fantastic. Well, congrats on that. And my congratulations all around. I just, um, I'm very impressed with everything about the film. I think it's got a great story, great pace, great sound design. Really good sound design, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, that the sound was done by Melody Melody Gun in Hollywood, and the final sound mix was supervised uh, by a guy who's become a, a really 
good friend of mine for for lending his Academy Award winning ears to my sound mixes. But his name is Don Sylvester. Fantastic. And he best sound for Ford versus Ferrari. So one of the other things about the film that I enjoyed was the cinematography. Let's talk a little bit about your cinematographer. Greg Gill um, is also a really close friend of mine. Um, I grew up with him in Connecticut. Um, so actually Kyle, who who helped me write the, the script, um, and Greg, I grew up with in Connecticut. So Greg's whole background is documentary. Um, so he has a lot of really, he's, he's traveled the world um, just doing documentary work. And one thing I love about working with him, and especially when we're, when we're doing such a fast paced shoot is that, um, you know, we do have a shot list and we try to follow it, but it becomes more or less a blueprint once you're out in the real locations because lighting can change, you know, anything, any, anything could change that you have to react to. And since Greg has so much experience with documentary, he's used to adapting. And so we've, we've changed things on the fly that, um, I didn't think we're going to work and they end up working beautifully. Um, and, you know, you just have to get into the rhythm of, you know, throwing out, throwing out a shot list if it's, if it's going to hold you back. So yeah, Greg, Greg and I have developed a really close partnership over about five music videos and three short films and a couple PSAs. This was an important movie for us because it was our first feature film yeah. back shooting back in our hometown. Mentioned at the beginning, you're you're an editor, right? Ford versus Ferrari. Wonderful, wonderful film. Terrific stuff. The Adam Project, War for the Planet of the Apes, and many, many others. Well, congrats on this new chapter in your career. Thank you very much. Yeah. Are you bitten? Are you are you gonna be director, producer, editor from now on, or are you uh, gonna plant your flag? I would love to to write more and I'd love to direct more. Um, I think the producing and every other hat belongs on someone else. <laughs> okay. Well, Christopher Brzezinski, thank you so very much for the film Northern Shade. And again, you can go to bayviewentertainment.com to find out more about it. The social media part of it is on Instagram, Northern Shade Movie, and on Facebook, it's Northern Shade Film. So check it out. and. Uh, Hope you come back. Hope it'll Thank work you, out man. when you're doing those uh, tentpole Marvel movies. You'll come back and spend a little time with us. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, Christopher. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Music